every life has a story. And every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. If you've been in a Christian circle in Perth, I am sure you would have come across Nigel Godfrey and his bus ministry. He has taken young people for years uh, into camps, into various ministries, sports initiatives, uh, youth camps, youth uh, ministries. And uh, he was just uh, blessing and blessing so many churches and so many young people. And tonight here at Kingdom Stories, we have an absolute joy to have Nigel and to hear his story. Welcome, welcome, welcome Pastor Nathaniel. Thank you for having me on the show tonight. Pleasure. So I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for tuning in. I'm sure many evening. of our viewers and listeners uh, will know Nigel. You're a strong figure in our city and thank a lot you. of people know you. Uh, a real heart for children and young people, haven't you? Well, I have, yeah. I enjoy, I think, you know, there's a big war on for children, I yeah. think, throughout the ages, and especially now. And um, I think one of the, what keeps me going, and I think one of some of the last words, Pastor Nathaniel in the Old Testament, is where the Lord says the that, you know, he will turn the hearts, he knows his stuff, um, he will turn the hearts of the father unto the children and the hearts of the children unto the father. Yeah. And I used to think the great Elijah anointing was calling fire down from heaven, but I believe that's the Elijah anointing is, um, you know, turning children's hearts from the father, from the father to the children and to the children, to the, to the father. And also to the last words of Peter before the ascension yes. was, I'll see how smart Pastor Nathaniel is. He said, feed my sheep. No, he said, feed my, my lambs. lambs. My lambs. He's got it. He's yeah. got me testing. <laughs> but no, feed my lambs. But why did Jesus say that to Peter? Feed my lambs first, tend the sheep, feed the sheep is because Satan goes after those that are most vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I believe that. And I think there's a couple of scriptures that drive me. And one of them is there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. And I believe yeah. this is that generation that knows not the Lord, Pastor yeah. Nathaniel. And, you know, some of the third surveys that they do in the Morgan Gallup polls, it's an easy one to remember. In 1995, my apologies, in 1955, over 50% attended some form of Sunday school, yeah. be it, you know, um, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, um, Assemblies of God, Catholic, Pentecostal, independent churches. And it was uh, so over 50% in 1955. But by 1995, it was less than 5%. Yeah. And the good Lord only knows what it would be now. So, in, you know, 1995, it was less than 5% attend some form of Sunday school. But We've that, become a very faithless nation. It is. It is. It's so sad. You and know, fatherless nation. And that's the bottom line, you know, and uh, so I was talking to you outside, you know, we can have pastors, teachers, evangelists, and, you know, which is very, very important. But what I believe we need in the church today, in the world today, is good fathers. And right. as you said, it's a fatherless generation. Yeah. You know, so. It was almost planned. And I think they, they're having a go at the most beautiful name, which is the Father. Father. Yeah. And God identified with that name. And Jesus uh, taught us to mm. address him as Father, which is beautiful. And I think that's why the devil is uh, trying to eliminate that. That's why they want parent one and parent two. And 
many, many other aspects. <laughs> well, I, I teach, I've taught scripture in the school. I've been an ordained chaplain and that, as you know, you know, outside of my, you know, missions work, you know, with the buses on a Friday night and, and running camps, but just everything seems to be an attack against the father yeah. in the natural and also believe in the father by the spiritual father as well. Even teachers in the school, in the primary school, it's very rare that you will get a male teacher. You know, if you're lucky, you'll get, you know, one male, te male teacher or the Is other. sport or something. Yeah, or the other male will probably be the gardener or the janitor yeah. or something like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, in an education department, it's just sad. There's no, it doesn't seem to be any male role model figures, you know, in, in the school. A lot of them are Whereas women. when I grew up, most of the teachers were male. Correct. You know, what a turnaround that we've, that we've seen in the last, you know, what, 40 years or so. You know, yeah. it's, it's just sad. Nigel, I said I was going to write a book, Australia in Free Fall. It's true. Disturbing facts of a fatherless feminist and a faithless nation. Mm. It's, it's, it's that, that uh, powerful and that sad. Mm. And, uh, but we, we have to make a stand. We have to make a stand today. And, uh, you know, that's why people, God is calling us to address these issues and to help people understand who God is. Well, that's it, isn't than, it? You know, and close ourselves in the church to be out there in the community and showing them the way to Christ. Mm, that's true. Did you grow up in Perth? I was actually born in England. My parents are Anglo-Indian. My dad was um, in the Anglo-Indian army um, in a place called Nagpur, which is just outside of Delhi. I was born in Southampton um, in London, England. It's like the Fremantle of uh, Perth. Yeah. And in 1971, we, we came to Australia. And, and are you the relatives with the other Godfrey's or not really? It's interesting. I think we are somewhere along the line. I've spoken to the, to the dad and he came from, comes from the same place as my father, Nagpur, in India. So, but we've had a look, but there's no, I can't see any relation <laughs> there. You know, not if that's good or bad, but uh, no, I love the other Godfrey family. Yeah. Okay, so do you remember much of England? I do. It was very, very cold. I went yeah. back for a visit there um, about four years ago. I was invited back to, to speak in Ian Christensen's Bible College and I took a bus ride and a train and went back to my old house and it was in January, which was, which was winter. Yeah. I don't know if it was colder than Romania, but uh, I don't Probably know how not. I survived. I guess 20 there. <laughs> I bought my son, he's a good goalkeeper, and I bought my son some goalkeeper gloves and I was wearing them on the train. Just My hands were just, were just so cold. You know, but I, I don't know how I handle the, the winters in England. Do you remember much of your childhood years? Um, not, not really. No, I used to go to a Sunday school um, called Elim with, with my yep. parents. I used to, used to go there. Was um, it an Anglican school? Or it was an uh, Elim. was a full Pentecostal Oh, um, so you grew church. up in a... I actually grew up in a Pentecostal um, church. Very, very, very rare. And, uh, but I left England um, when I was eight so your parents were both born again believers? My dad, he, even though he went to a Pentecostal uh, church pastor, I never knew him to know a scripture. Yeah. But he was always a godly man, you know, and I believe there was the tradition or you're sort of more of a yeah. Pentecostal Catholic, if you, if you <laughs> might say. But if I didn't stand up, you know, I'd soon get a, you know, whack across the ear and, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd stand. I'd stand was up. your mum Indian and your dad Anglo? Both Anglo-Indian, both, both Anglo. Okay. They spent, they were like Scottish, Irish descent, but in about the 17, late 1700s, they went over there to, you know, with the British colony and yeah. they stayed there. And I think that's where we get our swarthy, swarthy skins from. And uh, why did they move to Australia? Well, in 1948, 
um, there was the Mahatma Gandhi you know, uprising and all the um, English were booted out of India. So they went to England. And some, my dad's side went to, came to Australia, came to Leadable. They bought their first house for two and a half thousand pounds right near the Subiaco Oval. I can cry thinking about it. And, um, you know, a lovely, lovely house. But my mother's side, they went to England yes. um, when everyone was, you know, had to leave India. And so what happens, they'd give the Indians the good jobs and, you know, make it very difficult. They didn't boot them out, yeah. give me for that, but they made it very, very di difficult to live. So they had to emigrate um, out. That was the Louis Mount uh, Batten when he handed over um, the authority of England, um, you know, back, yeah. to, back to the Indians, all the British left. So you, you went to England and why did the, your parents choose to come here? Um, my my dad's my dad's side came to um, so, Australia, yeah, yeah, Perth and Leadable, and my mum's side went to um, London. And my dad and my mum, they knew each other in India. My dad went to England, and then they married my married my mum there in nineteen fifty six. How then, many siblings? I've got one sister. I've got yeah, one sister. Older. She's she's older. She's six years older. Than, than is she in Australia now? She's just moved to Melbourne. No. Just moved to Melbourne. So I was from England myself. or from here? From here. So oh. uh, sadly, her husband passed away mm. when he was 50 years of age, very, very well off, worked for Multiplex. Sadly, he had a heart attack. <coughs> Excuse me. And he passed away. And uh, my, so my sister sold the house. And I took my dad in with us for the last five years. He passed away. He was um, 93. You know, God bless him. And uh, it was hard living with my Yeah, I know. Jeans. I know. I just got an auntie just passed away a few weeks ago, 99 years of age. And I've got another auntie, 90, 95 years of age. So I'm starting to put turmeric in my tea and, you know, eat more garlic and chilli and, and all that. And I've never known them. It's interesting. I've never actually known my parents or my aunties ever to have the flu. Yeah, they'll get headaches and yeah. crook, but I've never known them, I think, because it's all the turmeric and all that that they, that they sure have. Yeah. It works. So you moved to Australia, and did you live in Leadable? Uh, we moved. We, we, it's funny. We moved to Balcato. My auntie's in Leadable. We bought our first that, house. That was that was 19, out, the outskirts. Of the out, it was. It was a seven-mile pub, and my yeah. auntie's. Oh, what are you doing moving out there? There's nothing there. This was just down the road in Balcato. There's going to be nothing there for years and years and years. Don't go. Get somewhere in Subiaco, Mount Hawthorne. Yeah. And anyway, we moved to Balcato, and my dad got his house for you know sixteen and a half thousand. Pounds and then sold it for about six hundred thousand dollars, you yeah. know, a few years down the track. Yeah, so it was a good, it was a good move. So you grew up in Balcatta. I grew up in Balcatta. Uh, did did church attendance continue in Australia when you moved, or not so much? Not not really. If if, if I back up, I'm just reminded of a story that I shared last night in in a, in a church. Um, if 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 I may, and sure. when I left Southampton Dock. Pastor Nathaniel, there was a a man like uh, Southampton Docks is like the Fremantle, you know, ships where you where you sail, and this man, um, it was a thirty one day cruise on the Arcuri Loro, an Italian ship from Southampton to Australia. Beautiful, going through Italy, we didn't do Romania, but going through Italy and the Africa canal. and. Uh, well, we didn't go through the canal. The canal was closed at the time, but just before I got on the the ship, Pastor Nathaniel, a man came up to me. And he goes, I've got something for you, son. And I thought, oh, man, this is great. It's going to be lollies on the ship to buy lollies. Give me a Bible. And get, yes. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that story. And he gave me a Bible. Yeah. And in that Bible, I 
oh, thanks, thanks, sir, put in my pocket, you know, no money. There's no lollies on the ship. But anyway, but in that scripture, in the, in the front of the Bible, I opened up the Bible, and there was only one scripture that I knew, and it said, you're in the palm of my hands, I will never leave you no, or forsake you. And when it came to Australia, I used to go to my, with my parents to the AOG in Hyde Park, and by that, the age of 10, 11 years of age, I totally stopped going to parents, sat, going to church with my parents. Pastor yeah. Nathaniel was like, sad, but I was probably arrogant. I thought of some young soccer superstar like Pele. I was good. But anyway, there was arrogance there, but I broke my parents' heart and I stopped going to church. But when I was about 17, 18, some of my friends in the streets of Balcata started to get saved. Oh. And I was, I'd, I'd grown up sometimes in the church. I knew about church, but I think I knew it all in my head, but not in my heart. And just yes. for these guys in Balcata, just for them to come up and put their hand out to shake my hand, I just couldn't understand it. You know, they got saved. I went to a party one time and they're talking, oh, Charlie, you know, got saved and George got saved and Joe got saved. We're having actually a big Balcata school reunion tonight that I've chose to come here Whoa. instead, which is the higher call, I believe. But um, I thought I knew it in, in, my, in my head, but I just say, leave me alone, leave me alone. Anyway, I went to church a couple of times with my friends and I thought, then they just leave me alone. Yeah. Or words to that effect. Yeah. If you can imagine. But what happened, I'd never had peace in my heart. I'd be going to the parties. I'd have some nice cars, girlfriends, sport. I was quite, you know, popular in my youth and, um, and that I just love life. But there was one time when I, I came to church. I think God had been working on my heart for about two years. And I came to church, came out the front, and this presence started to come all over me. And I just started to weep. And I just started to cry. I didn't know what it was. It didn't happen. And then this guy came up. It was a little guy. You could sort of smell him. I won't mention his name. But um, he just came next to me. I knew who it was because my eyes were closed. I was crying. And I could just... This guy came next to me. He was a Mauritius guy, lovely guy, loved the Lord. And then he said the only biblical words that I knew in my life when this presence came over, he goes, Nigel, you are in the palm of my hands. I will never leave you or forsake you. And from that day, Pastor Nathaniel, it was different. It wasn't up here anymore. It's it was in my heart. I couldn't watch TV for about... You know, two two years after that, or you know, apart from the soccer, you know, but I, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't listen to the radio. I found it very hard when I'd go to the movies. I stopped smoking, you know, drinking. I was never a yeah. big drinker, but I used to get into some other stuff. But something happened in my heart that night where it just, you know, my life radically, radically changed. But the only Bible scripture that I that I knew it's like eleven years later when this presence of God came, what I know now to be the presence of God came over and upon me. And I thought, man, this is the same God in England as it is in Australia. Yeah. And then it, this is real. The penny, the penny started to drop. Yeah. What school did you go to? Balcata High. Balcata High School. Where all the smarties used to go. Yeah. And then <laughs> what did you do when you finished? When I finished uh, Balcata High School, um, I started to work with with shoes. Uh -huh. You know, with soles. Yes. I'm still working with soles. Just different. Bets and bets is a, is a shoe company. But um, I worked for there for seven years. Then I worked for Telstra for 10 years. And um, then after that, I felt to um, teach scripture. There was an opening for the doors to teach scripture in schools. Yeah. So I dropped two days a week for Telstra. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I used to work for Telstra. And Thursday, Friday, when the teach doors the were open, I used to teach the Bible in the, in the schools. Wow. When did you meet your wife? 
Um, again, bets and bets and bets. Uh, I used to do a lot of advertising in the paper. And one day I was taking a talk about destiny. I was taking a photo of my staff, you know, the girl that, you know, did the ladies department. I had someone running the men's department and uh, handbags and the kids department. I thought, man, if we're going to be in the paper, I, I, I want to be in the paper. And so I asked this girl to come along and this lady came along down the street and said, oh, can you take a photo? Now, these were the days before we have the iPads. You can yes. crop and paste. You'd take a photo, take it to the news agent. Three days later, you'd, you'd get it back and you were probably over here and the shop's over here. <coughs> but anyway, cutting a long story short, this lady came past and I just said, can you take a photo of us? And I knew I wasn't even going to be in, in the photo. And um, she was of a certain nationality. And that's the next lady comes past was my wife. I said, excuse me, are you any good at taking photos? And she said, yes. And she took, excuse me, she took a photo of us. <coughs> and that's how, uh, that's my first meeting of, of Linda. Was she and working at uh, Bets and Bets? Linda, um, no, she was working across the road. She was a uh, secretary for a big brick Lang Manufacturers Company, uh -huh. uh, Brick Lang, which is about three shops down in Morley Markets, yeah. where the Bunnings used to be. That's, that used to be a big uh, Brick Lang, um, and she was the secretary for Metro Bricks. And I had the Vets and Vets shop in the in the Morley Morley Shopping Centre. Nice. And then we we've been dating now for we were dated for about two years. Was she Italian? She's Italian. Yes, she was Italian. And the parents uh, were okay with that. Her dad. Not at all, not at all. I, I went through grief, heartache, disappointment, everything. Um, no, the mum was not happy at first. She thought I was Calabrese, which is the South Italians yeah. with my skin complexion and I speak a little, you know, Palo Italiana, a little bit of Italian and I think enough first to mess it time, up. Yeah, and I wasn't mucking around, but I was just talking to her, mucking around, trying to be friendly and she thought I was Italian. Then she found out that I wasn't Italian. Oh, even worse. It was, it was worse. I wasn't Italian. And the big thing, I wasn't Catholic. And uh, then I told her I was going to Bible college. I didn't have oh. much going for me when I asked Linda to marry me. But um, anyway, thank God, you know, Mrs. Andriola, Linda's mum, finally gave us the blessing, yeah. you know, to, to get married. And uh, one day I came after work past Nathani with my briefcase. I didn't have much in it apart from my lunch. But I thought I'll impress her and wore my shirt and tie when I was asking, you know, Linda's hand in marriage and asking for her blessing because her father died some years ago before I came on the scene. And then she goes, now, Bella, sit down on my boy. Now, Bella, she's a beautiful girl, but, and I'm going to think it, oh, it's because I don't have a job, I'm not Catholic, I'm not Italian, you know, what is it? She goes, Bella, she's a lovely girl, but she cannot cook. Oh, no, no, don't worry, no, don't worry, that's okay. But Linda couldn't cook a cracker. Forgive me, Linda, if you're watching, but you're a beautiful cook now, love, beautiful cook. But, you know, they go make their own pasta and have their own chickens out the back and everything. But so Linda never picked up nothing. The trade? The, the, tra the trade. That's she, was, she wasn't fit for an Australian, uh, for, uh, for an Italian. Not she was only all. fit for an Aussie. <laughs> That's, <laughs> it. That's it. That's it. But she cooks some lovely, lovely meals now, you know. So you did the cooking in the first years or you went, uh, you went uh, takeaways? No, no, she became a good good cook. I remember the first time she cooked for me on a, on a date and uh, she came over to my dad's house and uh, she cooked up this squid and I was eating this and she goes, oh, what is it? I said, mm, it's great. You know, she goes, now, how, how is it really? And I thought it tastes like chewy, thong, you know, like those flip-flops, you, yeah. you know. You eat. Uh, no, but she's an excellent cook now. That's yeah. good. So she, were you at the time a Christian? She wasn't correct. 
So you married a non-Christian? No. Um, we, we started to date um, in 1990. I can remember that specifically. It was when the Italian World Cup soccer was on with the Romanian Haji and yeah. uh, all that great, some of the best soccer years. Who won that year? Um, 1990, it was Germany. Oh. They beat Argentina. It was, it was repeat. Oh. Um, but I was dating Linda. We fell in love. Um, I really enjoyed Linda's company. And I'll be honest, I was dating some other Christian girls when I'd go to preach at a young age. And, uh, you know, I used to do the children's ministry and get girls to come along and play the piano and sing like the angels. But I'd always be enjoying Linda's company, Pastor Nathaniel, more than some of these other girls. And then what happened? I'd always wanted to go to Bible college my whole life when my friend used so to go. So she was coming to church with you? She was coming to church um, with us. Not have, haven't had an experience. Did. Uh, she didn't have yet. an experience, no. And I was sharing this last night about spiritual warfare because my wife Linda came from a very traditional Catholic background. Yeah. And uh, I was just sharing this last night. We came to the church. I said, Linda, would you like to come to church? And I think at first she didn't think, you know, the elevator went to the top. And the first time I invited her to church, I slipped in the back and uh, we slipped in behind the sound desk. And I thought, Lord Jesus, just let this be a lovely sermon, maybe three nice songs, maybe, uh, you know, a little message. You know, I'll have some ginger snap cookies out the back after church and a cup of tea and I'll slip out the back door. But as we got there, the pastor, Frank Holcorn, it was a very warfare church, you know, we'd march around and yeah. spiritual warfare and dancing. And then Pastor Frank Holcorn, you know, come on, guys, we're going to have warfare tonight. Let's blow your spiritual trumpets. Get out of your seat. Let's start marching around and... And then I'm just sitting there with Linda. Oh, Bella, this, this doesn't always happen. But something happened in the heart where, where she kept coming. And then um, anyway, after about a year, we were dating. She was coming to church and coming along to the camps with us. And I felt to go to Bible college. And I felt, do you want, I felt the Lord say to me, yeah. do you want God or do you want the girl? Oh, Lord, I want both. You know? But I felt God stir me to go to Bible college. And I put Linda on the altar. And, um, you know, we went out and I shared with her and she was crying. I was nearly crying. I thought, Lord, am I going to get someone, you know, like this again? And uh, But I put Linda on the altar and I went to Bible college. And, uh, what after, college did you go to? Hebron Bible College. Okay. Hebron with Frank Holtgren and uh, a lot of ministers and that. Where was it? Came at it in Belga, out of the Shiloh Faith oh, Centre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We bought that church. Shiloh, the Romanian, the Romanian Pentecostal. Well, downstairs was the Bible college. Yeah, okay. And I loved, uh, you know, that was 1992. It was exactly 30 years ago. But I remember there was all these people the first day of Bible college, Pastor Nathaniel, and, um, you know, there was about 12 of us. And um, the dean of the Bible college, John Curran, he was talking to everyone. You know, why are you here? Why are you here? And then someone was say, I'm going to be a teacher. Another person, I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, God's trained me up to be a missionary. And I came and um, he's gone and I said, what am I going to make up? <laughs> and it's the truth. Because my life was a bit of a mess back then. <clears throat> I think there was a bit of deception in my life and uh, through some of the things I'd been through. Uh, but anyway, I chose to go to Bible college. And when the dean of the principal asked me, John Curran goes, and Nigel, we've saved the best wine to last. And one of my best friends, and I'll be honest, it went through my heart like a knife. One of my best friends who was at the college, he goes to, to someone else, he goes, what good can come from Nigel's life? And I, and I heard it. Oh. And, I, and I was, it really, it, but, but I said the truth. I just, when he asked me, I said, well, I just believe God wants me to trust him with one year of my life. Yeah. 
and that's that's when I did. But um, during the course of that time, Pastor Nathaniel, there was a guy by the name of Peter Jackson who used to do the children's evangelism. I know. He's in, been, in been the on the state. show. And, He's uh, been on the show. He sat in this chair, said, walk yeah. in the chair up for me, yeah. Peter. Thank you. And we needed a, a cook for a camp. And uh, we had this lady. She was about 80 years of age and uh, a faithful, faithful, faithful lady. And But we needed someone to chop the onions and do the dishes and wash the fat out of the pan. And I did like Linda, but it wasn't for me to date her, to ask her to get married or anything. We needed a cook, a, a yeah. kitchen hand, a chef's yeah. hand. And she volunteered. She gave up a week and uh, she, she came and just served the Lord at the camp. And that's when she got saved. And so I had nothing to do. And as I took my hands off yeah. the situation and tried to manipulate the situation and come yeah. to church and this, and I told a thousand and one, you know, Bible stories and, you know, church and that, but, you know, it's God that saves. It's it's not Nigel Godfrey. And she's been faithful, you know, ever, ever since. And yeah. it, it's funny, my say this before, um, when we went out, everything was was fine. She loved everything. You could speak in tongues, go to church, everything. But when it came to the tithing, uh, Linda was, oh, no, you know, you, the elevator doesn't go to the top again and all that. But um, now Linda is our best tither. She does all the finances when we had our board and the ministry, yeah. you know, when we had tens and tens of thousands of dollars coming in for the bus ministry and the youth and the youth camps. Everything that comes in every cent, dime, dollar, Deutsche Mark, I don't know what they call it, Rand or whatever. What's the dollar in Romanian? What's it called? Well, the euros now. Euro now. But anyway, it's I know, just that little London thing. But anyway, yeah. but Linda has been so faithful, you know, in the area of the tithe and finances. Her yeah. weakness was now her gift. And we've been married uh, a year later. We came out, came out of Bible college. We got married, and a few years later, we had three children. And uh, so were you at Shiloh? You started going. I was at Shiloh. She got baptized there. You got baptized there. I got baptized there in um, 1982. I got baptized there, and Linda got baptized there in 1993, early 1993. That's when I got baptized in the ocean. And Mamia, too cold for me. (laughs) And um, three children. Three children. I've got a a 25-year-old. Um, you know, serving the Lord um, at Kingdom City. Um, used to help us out with, uh, you know, the Sunday school with all our church plans. She's a teacher just down the road in Dianella Heights. I've got my son, Josiah. He's 23. Um, he's a footballer. He's a, yeah, footy, football player, soccer player. And I've got a 21-year-old daughter that's probably just trying to find her way in life nice. you know, at, at the moment. Wow, Beautiful. And over the years, so you've done the bus ministry, the camps, you've done the uh, chaplaincy, mm-hmm. evangelism, uh, hampers. Scripture in schools. In, schools. in, in school, helping Overseas, have you done some mission work? <coughs> well, it's, well, it's interesting. I've been to New York, the only probably place, the mission. I've never been on a missionary trip, but I spent time with a guy called Bill Wilson. I don't know if you heard of Bill Wilson in uh, New York City. He buses in over 18,000 uh, kids in in the city, and uh, I'll be honest. When I went there, Pastor Nathaniel, we did a, a four month trip. As soon as I found out, about two years after we were married, when I found out Linda was um, having a baby in Italian, they call it spetching or la spetta in in waiting. And I resigned my job. She resigned her job at Metro Brick, and then we went to America for four and a half months. But our main base was in the ghettos of New York City. And, and what what was he doing with the buses? Well, um, Bill Wilson, he'd pick up, 
youth in the buses and these kids, it was just wild. You know, I've worked in Balga, Kandula yeah. and Girawin, the KGB area, and I thought, that's easy, no problems, no worries. But it's just a different level. It's like hell on earth there. And yeah. uh, it is just scary, the ghettos, the gangs. So we were in the place called, oh, bless you, thank you. We were in a place called Bushwick in Brooklyn, and they reckon it's you know one of the toughest places yeah. in New York. But um, I believe that's where it was the burning bush for me, and it was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. Because when I came back to to Perth, I just couldn't settle. There was something in my spirit, yeah. and I looked at this area here, and you know, Lord, I used to come, I used to cry, you know, I used to weep. God, let's do something here. There's the fatherless, you know, generation yeah. Yeah. in here. Great, what's happening in Africa, India, the islands by the sea, and in the ghettos of New York. But Lord, what about my city, Perth? That's right. And that's when I gave up and then started, you know, really just laying my life on the line and just going for it and having a go. Beautiful. You're also part of the church plant in Ellenbrook. <coughs> yeah, well, we planted a church in, with Patrick Cumberstone in 2003 when the Shiloh Church uh, moved out and sold to the Romanians. As you know, that was um, late 1999, right at the turn of the century. Yeah, they established, they established the church. It was called North City. And my heart was still in, in Balga, and um, I wanted to st uh, just stay in Balga, but the pastor at the time, a pastor, um, it wasn't Frank Holder, he took over, but a pastor by the name of John Finkeldy, he asked me to stay stay on I know at John. the church. He was here. He was here. Well, you've done it all, warming up the seat for me. But um, John asked me, he said, Nigel, Linda, would you like to stay on for three months? It wasn't, would you like to? <laughs> you know, would you like to? You know, so, but anyway, we stayed there for three months yes. and let all the young couples and youth um, settle in. And then once the young couple and youth and family started to settle in, I came back to Balga and um, helping Peter Jackson you know, we were working on ovals, we were working in schools, we went into this little Anglican building and then, um, you know, they closed off and that's how the bus ministry started where we were working on different, you know, different parts of the ovals and Balga boxing halls and gymnasium. We were running church on a Friday night out of four different buildings. But there was a time where we just had no buildings and I felt the Lord was saying that was it, always believe yeah. in the principle, go until God says stop. Yeah. But right at that time, it's interesting, you know, as you pray and you believe and you seek the will of God, that's when Patrick Humberstone, excuse me, <coughs> came on the scene and asked me to uh, help him out with a church plant in Allenbrook. And all we had was one old bus. Mm. And, you know, sometimes it started and other times it wouldn't stop. You know, the pre-ignition and all the kids on the bus, they loved it. I was the only one that did enjoy it. And then we started off in a in a hall, probably about four times as big as this. Yeah. And then we went to a, um, another hall in in Ellenbrook. Then we went to the primary school yeah. and things really started to grow. But what happened, the senior um, ACC pastor, Pastor John Warwick, he pulled Patrick out. He left myself there. But what happened, he put another pastor in. But the children's ministry grew. We were about 50, 60 on a Sunday morning. But instead of sending the children out, you know, for Sunday school, we were sending the adults out yeah. and it just wasn't the logistics of a normal church. Yeah. So either I stay with that and then my heart just felt I'd run my course there and I'm, I'm like a church plan to get things going. And that's how God's always started use to use, use yeah. us. You know, when I was working with shoes, when I was at Telstra, I'd get the stock in, get the staff in, get the stores in. And as soon as I was ready get to eat the fruits, you get a phone call or night, we'd like you to start something else here. And, go to another shop here and it's interesting. I couldn't see it back then, yeah. 
You're a pioneer, not a settler. That's it. And the same thing has happened, you know, in, in the Ella churches. Brooks. And um, about three or four years ago, we were just asked to um, plant a church again with, with Patrick Humberstone. Come and night, let's plant a church, brother. Yep, okay, let's do it. And uh, we started a church. And then Patrick, he, um, God called him to Zambia. Yes. And it was through, yeah. and Linda and myself, we were just left holding the baby. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to do was ever pastor a church. It just wasn't in me, but I believe God led me along that way to see the job of a pastor, all the heartaches, yeah. the disappointments, the grief, forgive <laughs> me, you know, and, uh, but it was good for me to yeah. do the job of a pastor for three years. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, I loved it. But then with COVID, it was, it, you know, just sort of, it was just became a bit, a bit hard with COVID. So, uh, but I believe, love to get things started, as you said. So where are you now with uh, Ellenbrook? With um, Ellenbrook. Ellenbrook is Josh Fernandez and there's a guy called Scott Jones. They they oh, run the up. building, yeah. So, you know, we've just said to, you know, whoever used to come along and uh, on a Sunday morning. But what happens, sadly, is like people get attracted to you. Yeah. That's not our plan. That's not our vision. And that happened in Balga, like when we moved out of Balga, we'd send the kids, you know, like some to the Romanian church. They didn't want them there. You know, we'd send them, you know, bust them in other places, but we'd bust them, we'd feed them, we'd talk to them, we'd help them, we'd visit them during the week. And sometimes they just go to these churches yeah. where we try to fit them in, Guruin AOG, the Salvation Army, and they just become numbers in, in the church. And then sadly, they just fall away. Sadly, so um, Scott Jones, he's doing a great job in in Ellenbrook, and he pastors the church in um, Ella, in, in Ellenbrook there now. So, no, and you guys, what are you you and Linda doing? Well, um, Pastor Clive Pawson, yeah, he's asked us to come on, uh, you know, just there help him out, and they're going through a tremendous time of growth. Yeah, there now they've gone from about one hundred and fifty to about four hundred, four fifty in the wow. in the last um, a few months, and. I you felt we've got to go somewhere, you know, yeah. and we've been doing a lot of, you know, encouraging and uh, exhorting, you know, in different different churches. And we just come to visit different churches last year. So all our life since 1986, we've just been going helter-skelter for want of a better word. Yes. And not just church on a Sunday morning or a Friday night. I'm talking about four or five hours on a Friday night plus four or five hours on a Sunday morning. You know, you yeah. know the deal, picking kids up, bussing them in, cleaning up you know, taking everyone home, then going back and cleaning up the sound, the sport, the food and, <laughs> and and all that. So last year we just took a year off. I resigned my job at Mercy College. I was a teacher there for, for seven years, not a teacher, but like an education assistant, pastoral support, chaplaincy, just, just everything. Again, just doing whatever the deputy wanted me to do. They used to call me Dirty Harry, the go-to man in the school, whatever the deputy principal didn't. Nige, go here. Nige, put that kid on the bus. Nige, go to that classroom. But that's how I ticked. You know, I, I love Challenges, it. problems. So anyway, I took coming back to the the question, Pastor Nathaniel, I, you know, we, Linda and myself took a year off, just visited a lot of churches. And then this year we just said we're just going to go to a church. And that was the closest church um, up, up the road. And, uh, and I thought, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough because we weren't part of a church probably since about 2004. and um, But I've got to say there's been a real um, blessing there. Yeah. And I thought, man, all that itinerant, that what I've been doing and the doors are going to close. But nothing has changed. The blessing has still been there this sure. last, you know, six months for opportunities. And here I am with you now. But uh, but I do believe, you know, you just need that, that covering. And I just felt I didn't have any strength 
to you know do do the work of an evangelist. My eldest daughter got married, and uh, you know my son-in-law he was driving the bus. You know it was a family affair, and I just wanted to give my own children a break to, for them to sure. find the Lord, you know, for themselves. Mm. So what's next for you? What do you feel in this season and in the coming season? Well, I believe it's like you know what what I was saying to you before. Um, I'm just waiting, you know, to see what the Lord does. But I think when you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you know, you fall back into and what all you the know. counsel that I've given everyone else. I've got to start to live it. It's <laughs> a saying in Italian, it sounds better in Italian. But um, anyways, but I believe so. You've you learned the Italian a little bit. I'm I'm full and I've eaten too much. Mangiato bastanza and io ho fame. But um, a little, little bit of Italian, I'm joking. But um, I, I believe you've just got to be under a covering and it's good to support. But yeah. since I've been under that covering, it's interesting. I believe the Lord has blessed us. There's been great, you know, opportunities in, in the church. Yeah. Uh, Pastor um, Clive, he's asked me along to come to the staff meetings. Oh, you so. know, I'm helping on a Bible college tour. I preached in their Bible college this yeah. last fortnight. That wasn't my plan. My, yeah. my, my plan was, you know, I'm just going to go to church, slip in the back door, you know, three fast songs, three slow songs, have some of Pastor Clive's ginger, nap, ginger snap cookies and then slide out the side door. But as I said, I'm, you know, I've been sharing in their Bible college, you know, just, you know, just God using us there and just fitting in. And there just seems to be real honour there. And I'll be yeah. honest, I did not expect that. That wasn't the plan. And it's only been since, you know, February, March, April, May, June of four and five months, I just feel a connection there, which is strange. I just didn't feel, you know, and I've been part of a quite a large denomination. I'm, you know, been ordained with a large denomination, and uh, but I just feel more connection. At at you know, they say there's the ACC, there's the Triple C, there's the COC. See what you can see, but you know, I'm just feeling <laughs> quite quite at home with the CRC, the Christian Revival Church. Yeah. You know, with Clive, Clive Pawson. But I just believe, you know, number one, and coming back to your question, Pastor Nathaniel, is you come under a covering, yeah. and then just see, and that's number that's that base one, and that's why I tell to people I work with a lot of people that come out of jail. You know, even in this area here of Nolamara, yeah. I say the three S's. I say you submit to a pastor. Yeah. You serve doing something minimal, be it pouring cordial for the yeah. Sunday school or, you know, helping in the car park, hand out brochures, greet people. Yeah. But submit to a pastor, serve, serve and sow your finances. Yeah. Serve, submit, sow. Yeah. And uh, so I've got to come back to my own counsel now and I believe that general principle, you know, works, works for me. And I always... You know, come to the basics. I'm a bit of a simple person, but um, this this year I just believe that um, you know I just want to find the will of God, and I want I want to finish finish well. So I believe I'm like Muhammad Ali. I've got to reinvent myself. Yeah. I can't do canoeing and sport and and all that and the buses with with the kids now. Anymore. I can train others how to do it as I have been this last fortnight, but just to reinvent myself, and I'm just trying to find the will of God. And, and move in it. You know, a lot of pastors, oh, I'll see what happens. I shot an arrow in the air, it fell to earth, I know not where, K Sarah, Sarah. But I believe, again, serve, so submit. And the other principle that, that, that I work on is if it's God's will, I said, num number, you know, there's three things that have to line up. Number one is God's word. Yeah. Number two is peace in your heart. As yes. the Apostle Paul says, let, you know the the peace of God and the understanding. You know, be the peace in your in your heart. Yeah. Be the umpire in your heart. 
So God's word, peace in your heart, and circumstances. And when those three things line up, line up I'll go for it. You know, God's God's word, yes, peace in your heart, mm-hmm. and circumstances. You know, doors opening and doors closing. And uh, but I just feel myself at the moment just that, that peace there that the church and Linda's the, actively in that as well. I'm sorry, Linda. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I thought I don't know how she, you know, yeah, she, it's always... she'd go because you know she's been with the kids cooking. Yeah. You know, she, you know, she, she's had her own bus run and and things like that. And she's just been such a great helpmate, you know, to to the ministry. You know, well, Sharon is great. I've, I've interviewed Sharon and David Boston okay, yeah. as well. So I've got to do Clive one of these days and Carmen. <laughs> Carmen, wow. Yeah. So that's that. That's good. That's great. We were neighbours there. He's been amazing. Uh, man and That's they right. were they were very kind to us uh, they left us the chairs when they left and we were able to do the same when we left uh, that uh, building as well for the church that was coming mm. in so it's just beautiful 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 mm. thank you um for what's your life motto what is um what do you live by well i just believe you know my life motto i believe is hold your peace mm-hmm and keep moving forward. There's a lot, but I'd say that would probably be the yeah. main, the main one. It's like when you know Moses comes to the edge of the Red Sea. He's just come out of um, Egypt. Yeah, you know they've been there for 400, 400 years. Not Moses. He was there for forty years. They get that. then he comes back. He was eighty years of age. He comes to the edge of the Red Sea, and I believe he was attacked in three areas. He was attacked physically, mentally. And spiritually, the Egyptians wanted to take yeah. their heads off. They weren't yeah. there for a Sunday school picnic. No. You know, his own people were murmuring against him. Yeah. You know, and the Red Sea was in was in front of him. Yeah. And probably one of the hardest things I think as a pastor, you can do so much, but when your own people, your own leaders start to murmur against you, that's the thing that really hits you. But Moses, he was attacked physically, mentally, spiritually. And the Lord says to them this, you know, amazing thing, Moses, hold your peace. Yeah but I command you to move forward. And God commands us to hold your peace. I believe that's God's sovereignty. Yeah. And um, our, our responsibility yeah. is to move forward, but hold your peace yeah. and keep moving forward. I believe that would probably be my life's motto. Beautiful. That's powerful. Thank you. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much. Hey, for thank you very much, Pastor. Bless you. Bless thank you, you for listening. Thank you for staying to the end. Well, bless you. What an amazing story. Uh, a man who's still discovering more and more what he can do with God and ready to submit, ready to serve, and ready to sow wherever the Lord is calling him. And in this chapter of life, he's at CSC. If you are here in Perth, I'm sure you can catch up with Nigel uh, at CSC and other initiatives that the church runs. Uh, he's a good mate to have around. So I just... Uh, Pray that this blesses you and encourages you on your Christian walk. And we look forward to catching up next week at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. My name is Nathaniel Costia. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.